All right, uh, another soccer expert joins us right now on the Bacon Plumbing Hotline. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for the great Tony Softley. Hi, Tony. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Who do you who do you have right now in this uh, Serbia-Switzerland match? Well, you know, I had Argentina. Ooh. Uh, that, that's not looking very good. No. Uh, Messi and the boys are, are, didn't perform well. And uh, with no USA in there this year, you know, that was really my go-to. So I'm kind of wide open. See what happens. It's going to be fun to mm. watch. Do you, do you like? I mean, are you a fan of of the World Cup uh, style of play and all that? I mean, it's it's pretty easy to get caught up in this, even if you're not a huge soccer fan. Yeah, I am. Uh, 1990, I lived over in England, coaching American football, and uh, I got it uh, up front and in close in person there. Uh, you know, with the English team, and and I got to a lot of Liverpool games and uh, Manchester United and all that stuff. So I, I'm very familiar with all that, but, uh, when England lost, I think it was Germany that year, mm-hmm. uh, the hooligans tore up the town that I was in, which was Blackpool, England. It yeah. was a resort town just north of Liverpool by about 30 minutes. It got crazy, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love the style of play. Uh, they play that all year round over there. It's a good sport. Having spent a, you know, some time over there, uh, and being an American football guy like you are, what do you think, or, or or what have you heard out of fans who aren't soccer fans? That's maybe the biggest fallacy, the biggest you know, you know, maybe misnomer about the sport. Where people say, "Hey, I don't like it because this," and having seen it closer and seen it at a high level of play, like you did, what is what's something that people maybe are missing? Well, you know, I, I think if they haven't gone to a Sounders uh, Portland rivalry game and hearing the chanting and the fun that goes on there, amplify that about ten times in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, you got to gas. You got to understand and puck and appreciate this. Uh, the beer is like eleven percent. So after about two, you're just screaming your head. Eleven <laughs> percent. Don't even know what you're talking about. In yeah, London, it's, it's crazy. Aww. It's uh, yeah, tenants extra is uh, oh. which was one of my favorites was like nine point nine percent. It's crazy, but yeah, no, it's just the fans get into it. It's uh, you know, it's that's their big sport. That's their. NFL over there, if you will, sure, sure. and uh, it, it is treated that way. July twenty, uh, Tony Softley joining us here on the Beacon Plumbing Hotline, our NFL executive. Uh, July 26, Tony, that's when training camp starts uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. They sold out all for all the fans that can attend training camp. They sold it out and uh, in like 90 minutes, so a little bit longer than they've done in years past when it's been like 10 minutes or five minutes, but 90 minutes is still is still pretty good. Uh, training camp, so again, we're about, uh, we're almost there, a little over a month away from uh, training camp starting. As you gear up to the beginning of training camp, give me your three top storylines minus the Earl Thomas contract. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely going to be the running back position, uh, then the defensive end position, uh, and then uh, the special teams overall. Uh, I, I, you know, does does Ryan get upseated by the young uh, punter? Uh, you know, how, how, who's going to be the top returners uh, in uh, kickoff and punt return? Do they, do they uh, move guys around, get some young guys in there? And obviously, obviously the wide receiver position is huge. You know, after Baldwin and Lockett, it really starts to fade off. And, you know, there's so many storylines going into this camp. I'm just excited to, to go out and watch these guys compete and see them run around and, and wait, can't wait for that first preseason game, to be honest with you. I mean, to a certain extent, you could argue it's the most important camp they've had in several years. I think it was a foregone conclusion the last few years, Tony, that, hey, these guys are going to be good. And even, even last year, they were nine and seven, a couple missed field goals away from being in the playoffs. They, there wasn't as much drama in camp as I think there will be this year. Is that fair to say? No, I'm right with you on that. And, you know, just to see these young guys 
who's going to step up? And, and, you know, I was going to camp trying to, you know, pinpoint four or five guys that let me just target these guys throughout training camp. Well, I know most of these guys coming out of the college ranks haven't worked for the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. So, uh, you know, I want to see how they compete with the grown men that are on the Seahawks, those veterans, uh, and who steps up, who cowers down, uh, and, and who competes to, to the highest level. And I, I think that's really going to be the key. Uh, and, and, again, the running back position is going to be so competitive uh, with Carson and Penny uh, Davis and the rest of the guys. Uh, it, it's it's going to be fun to watch. It really is. What what you know what we saw there in the uh, the other workouts, the mini camps, and the other workouts that they've had so far. The the battle between Penny and Carson. I mean, both are going to get a significant amount of time, and they're going to be their one two punch. Would you give the edge right now to Carson just based on experience right now over Penny? No, I'm I'm, I'm going wide eyes wide open. Okay. Uh, nobody has an edge right now. Uh, I want to see. Obviously, they're going to have to line somebody up at one and the other one too. Don't be surprised if Shoddy doesn't put him in the backfield at the same time. Uh, but it's going to come down to preseason touches, uh, and I think they'll get an equal amount. And, and who performs well? Who's going to be able to run with the one offensive line? Uh, who's going to have to run with the twos and still be productive? There's just a lot of that that plays into that. That. Uh, you know, again, like I said, this is a, it's a dead comment, but it's going to be fun to watch these guys compete. It, it's a young team, uh, miss the playoffs, like uh, Gas said, uh, because of some missed field goals and probably some bad play offensively. Uh, and let's don't give the defense a hall pass. I mean, they they got beat on certain situations that put them in the hole as well. So uh, there's there's lots of room for improvement, and uh, it, it's going to be an exciting season. NFC West. It's gotten better. They've caught up with Seattle Seahawks, so it's time to see what these guys can do. Tony, how has the measuring stick changed by which coaches and staffs and front office judge, say, the two running backs? And what I mean is, it isn't that long ago that there were two-a-day practices. There was a lot of contact. There was a lot of hitting. They had a lot more data to go on. By the time they finally made their decision, they don't have as much hard data now. How is obviously that makes their decision? trickier i don't know if it makes it harder or not how did has has the way they judge things changed because of that no i i think the uh obviously the physical attributes on the field you can see that you come in off the field from a personal standpoint coaching standpoint and you grade the film you grade each and every practice uh, otas mini camp training camp uh and, and then you're looking for uh uh mes we call them mental errors who misses the block where? Who can't block on third down? I mean, then you start slowly start positioning guys ahead of each other based off what you're seeing on film and your evaluation process. From from a uh, skill set standpoint, uh, both those guys are pretty even. Uh, you know, they both have size. They both have speed. Uh, you know, I, I think they're both downhill runners. Uh, Carson is bigger, so he's going to bring a little bit more bump. Uh, and Penny's going to be able to run away from some players where – uh, Carson might not be able to. So it, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they actually um, break these guys down. How many carries are they going to get in, in practice, and, and how does that spill over into the preseason? Uh, so, yeah, again, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they put everything together. Yeah, T, we don't spend much time talking about the punters, but I think it is an intriguing storyline to me. Was, they draft the kid out of Texas, and then they still have John Ryan on the team. Why why do you think they've they've kept John Ryan around? That's a great question because watching this young man, I, I've nicknamed him Boom because everything he everything he does, it's a driving punt uh, to hang it, to to drive it to a, a certain position, 
uh, to angle it out of bounds. I mean, everything it is is power kicking. Uh, five point plus hang times in, in the camps or the practices that I attended uh, when him mm-hmm. kicking. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, the only thing I can think is uh, so he doesn't wear out his leg, uh, because this guy is very, very talented. This well, rookie is very, very talented. Well, just to just to you know, Pete Carroll said you know one of the things that John Ryan is is head and shoulders better than uh, than the kid out of Texas is that his his ability to hold on field goals. I'm like, really? I mean, we, like, why just get the backup quarterback to do that? I mean, we're really keeping John. This sounds like I don't like John Ryan. I love John Ryan. He's been great for the franchise. You drafted yeah. a punter. I have no idea why John Ryan is still around. Is it because of his ability to hold on field goals and extra points? I mean, can't the backup quarterback just do that? Well, you know, I wouldn't put the backup quarterback out there in fear of injury. Uh, that some knucklehead from the other team would just take him out and then you're stuck. Um, but there is something to be said what Pete's talking about. Uh, but there's plenty of time. From when he was when he was drafted until it's it's time to go kick in a preseason game for them to get a lot of practices in both you know voluntary and involuntary. Uh, but the the kicker is the key. He's got to be he's got to feel very comfortable with that holder. He's got to be very very comfortable that that ball is going to be placed at that same spot each and every time to make him comfortable at kicking that. Uh, and I think they can work to that. It's going to take a little time, but I understand what Pete's saying uh, with Ryan. The comfort zone is definitely there. How difficult is it to work in new coaches? They've gotten to know each other, and, and, and it isn't that hard. We were laughing about this last segment. Sometimes those of us in this business, we make up things to be worried about. But there are some new faces now. And, I mean, you you know, when you get new coworkers, you have to learn their quirks. You have to learn what makes them good. You know, Pete has to learn their strengths and their weaknesses. It, does that put more pressure on, or is that just something that at this point in Pete Carroll's life, he's a natural at this, he's been through it before, and, and this is not a big issue? Yeah, no, he's been through it before. He knows Norton anyway, so that that's not a big deal. Uh, you know, Solari and, and uh, Shoddy uh, are, are new additions, like you're talking about, that uh, he had to learn some of the courts of, of, of the coaches. He's called around before hiring those guys to figure out, you know, a lot of stuff about these guys. But bringing them in, uh, I know for a fact what they did was they had uh, Solari and, and Shadi sit down and and learn the offense that they wanted to keep. So it didn't have to be a big transition for the players. Uh, and, and so while they did that, and you could see the changes uh, during uh, you know the OTAs, uh, and I missed the minicamp because I was on vacation, but the OTAs were uh, exciting to see different movement. Let me just put it that way. Not a lot of different formations, but different things they're doing within the formations, uh, which was uh, which was good. It was it, they're utilizing the talent, and uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. It really is, Tony. We kind of glossed over a little bit. You didn't. I mean, I did. We've talked about like the offensive line has gotten enough of our attention. The running back situation, you know, heck, we're talking about the punters. How worried should we all be? Uh, as a, you know, as kind of a fan base, as you watch this, watch this team about the the issues on the defensive end, the defensive ends and the defensive line, and specifically guys that rush the passer. It just does not seem like a lot of a lot of depth that they have right now with those DNs. Yeah, it, it, there there is depth. It's just how much talent is within the depth, mm-hmm. and we're going to find that out pretty quick. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, Green is is going to get tested early. Uh, off the edge, uh, an interior pass rusher. Uh, obviously, Clark is going to be able to come in and hold his own. And there's some other guys that, have, that were on Seahawks roster last year that have some stats that they're going to have to step up. 
you know, Jordan uh, is is correct me if I'm wrong, but another knee surgery or another procedure. Yeah, he had uh, something like something back. minor. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and set him back, which was too bad because I was waiting for him to to make that step. And, and so, uh, you know, it's it's uh, defensive ends are like running backs. You can't have enough of them. And uh, that's that's going to be a big question mark. That was was my number two behind uh, when I first started. You know, talking to you guys, defensive end. Who's going to rush the yeah. passer? I mean, how are they going to work that rotation? Who's going to be in the rotation? Who's going to start and who's going to follow that rotation? And so, um, I know they were looking for a, a player that could do dual things and interior pass rusher and an edge guy. That's why they drafted Green. So we'll we'll see what he brings to the table early, uh, and I hope it's enough to uh, help deliver some uh, production off that edge. Tony, one of the things you see in your career, it happens here, it happens in a lot of cities now. We're, we're not unique to this, but just the whole idea, and, and, and you've been around long enough to remember when training camp was just training camp and maybe some people had come out or maybe they wouldn't, but here the Hawks, you know, they sell out all of their, their 12 or their 13 open practices in 90 minutes. Other teams do it too. It's kind of amazing this country's thirst for pro football, that they've created a market around practices, isn't it? And I mean, and I'm not, I'm not mocking anybody here. People are into what they're into. It's just kind of amazing to me to have seen this happen in my lifetime, to where they've actually been able to create something uh, that that is yet another way for fans to experience football, and the fans have have soaked it in. Yeah, they're eating it up. Uh, you know, for two organizations in the NFL, Carolina, uh, their fan base uh, in South Carolina at Wofford College was unbelievable. I mean. Uh, a, a lot more people than at Seahawks. Uh, and then I go to St. Louis, and it was less, uh, but very intense early, but faded late uh, because of baseball. Uh, mm-hmm. Seattle has the best venue. I mean, they've got on the water. Uh, you know, during training camp, it's extremely sunny and hot, and they limit uh, the amount of people who can get there. So the thirst and the fight to get those tickets uh, is, is crazy. And uh, the fans that come out there, uh, they're true twelves. There's no question about that. From kids to uh, older adults, and uh, it's just a fun time. It's, it really is. What's the uh, What's the cigar choice uh, tonight? You sit out there on your deck on the, on what should be a nice, lovely Friday evening. Well, I'm going to join uh, Softy this afternoon from five to six. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't that, do that. I wouldn't. You're going to sit in a cooler. <laughs> You're going to go in a freezer. I'm sit in the cooler. Yeah, I'm going to sit in the oh. cooler. I got my. I got my gloves. My hat. I've got everything. I look like uh, now Nick from the north. <laughs> don't, picture, so. don't don't be a tough guy like uh, I. I tried to do it one time and just flip flop shorts and a t shirt. <laughs> I'm going to do a uh, do Tatawahe tonight, man. Tatawahe yeah. for the night. All right. I have no that's idea what that is, but that sounds wonderful. That's, that's tattoo in Spanish, by the way. Oh, how about that? How about, very how, exotic. Have a cigar in the cooler. Uh, I don't know if they'll let me do that. <laughs> well, try. That you don't know that they won't there let you, you do it. We don't yeah. want a can't-do attitude. We yeah. want a can-do attitude out of you. Yeah. Uh, hey, all they can do is say, put that out. You that's know, right. So. That's, That's a right. fair point, Tony. All right, uh, enjoy sitting in a freezer with Softy. I don't know what's worse, sitting next to Softy or sitting in a freezer. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll let you know. <laughs> See you, Tony. Have fun today. Have a good weekend, boys. Yeah, Thanks. there he is. Uh, Tony Softly, he'll be there. I did not, not, did not know that. He'll be there that? with Softy. Uh, Fane will be there uh, and along with, well, actually, I guess well, Fane won't be there. Um, I'm assuming since, so- since Tony's going to be there that Fane's out.
But he says he's only there from 5 to 6. Oh, so I thought I heard earlier that Fane is there, because I thought one of the charity things is take a swing at Dick for cash. You, you give yeah. 100 bucks and you're allowed to take a swing at Dick. All right, so Furness will be there, Softy, Fane, and Tony Softly. 1 to 7 at Jackson's and Issaquah, freezing for a reason. Uh, Jackson, uh, Jackson's and Issaquah, 825 Front Street, north in lovely Issaquah. They got autographed baseballs from Kyle Seeger, Nelson Cruz, James Paxton, autographed football from uh, Cliff Averill, a lunch for two with the Husky Honks at Jack's Grill. Uh, all of this freezing for a reason, uh, running, uh, raising money for Protect Our West, benefiting the Wildland Firefighter Foundation 2018 freezing for a reason. Go out to uh, Jackson's there in Issaquah starting at 1 o'clock. All right, come back. Are you worried about the M's? And we also got to update our poll question of the day.